is no other king. What a tremendous weekend this has been for our church. We started on Good Friday with a Seder meal, and um, the rabbi who came in to do this with us tied everything back to Jesus and his resurrection and who he was and all that. It was an amazing time together. Yesterday, we had the Easter egg hunt. And uh, the Easter egg hunt is, well, it's more than an Easter egg hunt. We say Easter egg hunt. Some people show up and they're like, can we start hunting eggs? Not yet. Um, we have, it's a lot of things going on. If you've been here, there's games, there's inflatable, the bouncy houses and things. And there's, uh, um, we had a magician. And uh, that really the highlight for us is the magician, but he's telling the story for, of Jesus. Like when we have you, we're going to make sure that we're doing something to promote who Jesus is. That's the point of all of it, right? We just want to expose people not only to the love that we know of Jesus, but also that they can hear the story of Jesus. So that was awesome. And I heard, there's two counts, by the way, that it was really hard to count everybody. I was told by a few people that there was not less than a thousand here yesterday, so somewhere over a thousand. Now that's the Christian count. I heard the pastor's count is like 3,000. <laughs> There's a Christian count and a pastor's count, so depends on who you ask around here on how many there were. So um, I could easily have seen 3,000 yesterday, but uh, it was a great time, and I do appreciate everybody who just who gave of their time and their efforts, and it was a long, long, hard day of work, um, it, followed by another long, hard day of Seder meal preparation and work. So here we are today. Um, I was going to say some might feel like they're limping across the finish line, but I don't because this is the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, right? This is a day of celebration. Um, somebody once recently told me we got to put our big boy pants on and we're going to celebrate this thing, you know, like we're pushing through the Easter weekend. This is a great time. So I do want to say though, of all this weekend to everybody who's helped and been a part, thank you so much for all that you've done, for the, the hard work and the time involved. It's just been an amazing time together. And then uh, you'll notice on your way in, you probably saw, I saw some taking pictures, and on your way out, you can stop by. We have a little photo booth uh, for you there. Uh, I want to thank uh, Tracy French and um, her daughter, uh, Jamie. Sorry, thank you. <laughs> Jamie, I was, well, was going to say Tracy and Jamie French, and I was like, wait a minute, Jamie's not a, it doesn't matter. So Tracy and Jamie, they, they have brought that, they run a business on the side doing that. So if you have any interest in that, by the way, you can talk with them, but I appreciate them doing that. It's really cool to have a photo booth. You stand, it snaps the pictures for you, so that's amazing. I have to tell you, I don't know if you feel like I do, but I'm kind of torn today myself. Um, and I talked a little bit last week on Palm Sunday. I've never really been a fan of the cross. But at the same time, I love the cross, if it makes sense. I've never been a fan of the fact that Jesus had to die on the cross. I've never been a, a fan of the fact of the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross and getting to the cross and those things. But at the same time, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the cross. So my mind is flooded with things that normally come along with Easter. Grateful that he did die on the cross, excited that he was raised from the dead, sad that he had to go through it. So I began to think about the cross. Um, you know, I want to know in the, in the cross, why a cross? 
What, what about that makes sense? I mean, when was the last time that you sacrificed a dove so your sins could be forgiven? Anybody? Or when was the last time you got the blood of a bull and you sprinkled it on yourself for good luck? Anybody? I mean, if you have, we can have counselors available for you after <laughs> service is over. Can you imagine a scenario where you walk into your friend's house and they have a lamb in the house and you compliment the lamb? Oh, that's a nice looking lamb you have there. I, I like that lamb. Oh, thank you. Thank you. His name is Sam. And Sam is our Passover sacrifice this year. <laughs> what? Because that's what used to happen. In fact, that's one of the things about the Passover that was so startling is they, would, they were required, and you can go back and look at the Old Testament law, to pick out a, a spotless or flawless lamb and bring it into the house and live with it for a time before they sacrifice. Just enough time to gain an attachment. We don't experience that today. And that would be a very odd conversation to have. But in the ancient world, it was nothing that was unusual. These were conversations that they would have. They would raise or purchase animals that they could sacrifice. Even the thought of that for us today repulses us, to be honest. That's because of what Jesus did on the cross. The reason that we don't have these conversations today is because of what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, that ended the need for sacrifice. So we don't have to do it anymore. As I get into the message today, by the way, the notes for the message are in the uh, church's app. You can go there, the church app, and find those, or the Bible app. But then I begin to think about, we know Jesus had to die, but why the cross? And, and why did he have to die on the cross? And, and did he have to be raised again? Are these all questions maybe you've asked before? And if you have, it's, it's okay, you're not alone. Paul addressed this very thing to the church in Corinth. I mean, think of it like this. Imagine if you saw someone and around their neck was a gold chain with an electric chair on it. We would think you're, you're a weirdo a little bit, right? That's the way they perceived the cross. For them, it was a torturous way to kill somebody. That was a, a similar way that they could see that. So we want to look at today the way that the ancients understood the cross and maybe at the way we understand the cross. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians. I was telling somebody before that uh, this will be unusual for me because I'm not speaking out of any of the resurrection stories. It is all about the resurrection though. But I think we should start in 1 Corinthians. We're going to go chapter 1 starting with verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is this wise man? 
Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. There was once a man who was considered the town fool. And uh, this town fool, the people in the town would play a game with him. And the, the kids especially, they would pick on him. You know how that kind of thing goes. And they would run up to him and they would open their hands. And in one hand was a penny and in the other hand was a quarter. And they would ask him to pick one and he would always take the penny, the town fool. Well, one day a, a visitor to the town saw the children playing this game with the town fool. They would run up, they would show him their hands and he would pick the penny and then they would all laugh because he always picked the penny. And so the visitor, after they left, went up to this guy and said, why are you taking the penny? Don't you know that the quarter is worth way more than the penny? And he said, well, of course, I know the value and the difference between a penny and a quarter. But if I grab the quarter, they'll, pl they'll quit playing the game. And he didn't want to have them quit playing the game. So who's the fool? Most of the time, it's healthy for us to stay away from foolishness. Would you agree? I mean, we tell our kids that. Um, some of us tell each other that. Sometimes that ends up in fights. Don't be a fool. It's healthy to avoid foolishness. That's why the cross is so polarizing. If we look at the cross, it does look like foolishness, right? And that's what Paul's addressing here. So let's just take a look one at a time. First, let's talk about the Jews. The cross was a stumbling block to the Jews. And the Jews stumbled over the cross because Jesus wasn't the kind of Messiah that they wanted. And it's really strange because the Jews were set aside to be the people who would bring the Messiah with them, who the Messiah would come out of, who would lead the Messiah. They were, they were picked by God. He had watched over them. He had protected them down through the generations. He had prepared them to be the nation that would be salvation for the world. And when he came, it's not who they wanted not only is it not who they wanted, they crucified him. In John chapter 1, it says that Jesus came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. If you ever feel rejected, just imagine that the king of the world, our God, the Savior, Jesus Christ, was also rejected. Why didn't they receive him though? Because the Jews demand miraculous signs, he says. You see, they were expecting a Messiah who would perform miracles on their behalf. And again, that's strange because he was healing the lame and he was making the blind see and 
He was doing those types of things, but that's not the miracles they wanted. They wanted miracles that showed power and dominance. They wanted miracles that showed success. And if, if you want to understand that better a little bit, look at the feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus fed the 5,000, right after that happened, it says they looked to make him their king by force. It's always been an interesting part of that story to me. To make him their king by force. Most of us would be like, oh, you don't got to force me. I will do it freely. So Jesus at that time, though, he receded. He didn't want to be made king by force. See, what happened, the difference is, if he heals somebody's slave, brings them back to life, which happened, or if he makes a blind man see, which also happened, that doesn't show power. That just shows that he has ability. But when he feeds 5,000, that's power. Now that's somebody they can follow. But why? It's all selfish. Oh, look, he can take care of me. He is my meal train. He can do this. See, they didn't want the miracles that were giving to others. They wanted the signs that took care of them. And if he had gathered an army and led them in battle to conquer the Romans, if he would have shown them that he was successful and victorious, they would have marched with him. They would have given their lives for him. They would have done anything for him, but the cross got in the way. They could not get behind the cross. You see, dying on the cross doesn't look like success. And dying on the cross doesn't look like power. It doesn't look like victory. What it looks like is weakness. It looks like failure. It looks like defeat. It confused them. Surely the strongest being in all of creation was not going to allow his own people to kill him. The cross confused them. Not only did they have a false concept of the Messiah, they had a false concept of salvation. What I mean is they thought salvation was by their own righteousness. They, we all know about the law, right? Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees were always arguing with Jesus about the law. In the Old Testament, they believed if we just follow the law perfectly, then we will be saved. If we can measure up, if we are good enough, then we get to spend eternity with Jesus. But really, they weren't keeping God's law. They were just going through the motions, right? They were going to the synagogues at the appointed times. They were saying their prayers loudly for all to hear. And Jesus called them out on it. They were giving their offerings for everybody to see. Jesus called them on that, uh, out on that also. They were impressing everybody with their generosity and with their um, appearance and how pious they were. And look at me, I'm so good. I'm afraid that's kind of how we are today also. So in their minds, they didn't need a Savior to die for them. They didn't need a Savior like this. They needed a ruler to conquer because they thought salvation was through their own righteousness. They carefully defined that righteousness the way that they liked it. 
What they wanted was a mighty warrior to come and conquer everybody and kill all their enemies. But as it happens, they just kept stumbling over the cross. And then what about the Greeks? He says it's foolishness to the Greeks. So you see he's coming at the Jews and the Greeks differently. And essentially he's covering at that time all known peoples. So we have the Jews who are Jesus people. Separate, different, set aside. And then we have the Greeks who were the Gentiles. Everybody else. Most of us in this room are Gentile. So he said it's foolishness to them. In verse 22 he says, Greeks look for wisdom. You see, they were the academia of the day. It was this culture that produced men like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, people that we still read today. The ancient wisdom Socrates said, the secret to a successful society is education. If we can give everybody a good education, then it must follow that the world will get better and better. Sounds familiar, right? We've been hearing that for generations. Education will solve all of our problems. All we need is more education, and mankind will become better and better. But we haven't. Why haven't we? Because education is not what we need. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm a fan of education. I like it. I've been educated. It's just that we can learn everything we can learn, everything there is to learn. But there's still a fatal flaw. And that fatal flaw is called sin. So education isn't going to Save us. Acts 17 describes a scene, and you should read this in Acts 17, where he comes into Athens. And the, the Athenian philosophers met on a place called Mars Hill. And they would sit there all day, and they would think profound thoughts. Sounds like a great job, doesn't it? Luke says that they spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. That's what they did. Sit around and we're going to talk about it. Philosophize together. A buddy of mine got his PhD in philosophy. You want to talk about a difficult person to have a conversation with. <laughs> because we can just sit around and eventually my brain gets tired. Like I, I'm just done <laughs> after too much philosophizing. So, now Paul, being who he was, one day he went up to Mars Hill. And as he walked in, and this is, I love this about Paul, and I love this story. He walks in and he says, hey guys, philosophizers, I see that y'all are having all these conversations. And, and they, they had a bunch of gods in the Areopagus. And one of the statues of a god, it says, to the unknown god. On this statue, in case they missed a god in all the gods, here's, and just in case, this is the unknown god, just in case. Paul walks in and he tells them, hey, I know this guy. <laughs> the unknown god, you want me to tell you about him? Oh, it's awesome. His name is Jesus. <laughs> and he came and, and he became flesh and he died on the cross for our sins. The god of all the universe became Jesus sent his son Jesus, died on the cross, and because of that, we can be saved. What do you think they did? 
well, you're dumb. (laughs) Because reason tells you that the almighty God doesn't allow puny men to nail him to the cross. That's what reason says. Reason says that this person that was nailed to the cross cannot be resurrected. None of it makes any sense. So the Greeks looked at the cross as foolishness. So what about the way they saw salvation? The Greeks saw salvation as they believed that all souls were immortal. And you did the best you could do while you were alive. And when you died, your soul went to be with the gods. And if they declared that you were good enough, you could stay there. And if you weren't, they would send you back to do it again. This is also why resurrection, they didn't want to be resurrected. Resurrection meant they had failed. They hadn't accomplished what they had set out to accomplish. So for them, resurrection made no sense. They didn't want to be resurrected. So for Jesus to be resurrected was foolishness. What they believed was that everybody is finally saved. Nobody is lost. You just have to be good enough and eventually you'll make it there. So their thinking was they didn't need a savior because everybody was going to be saved. Sounds remotely familiar, doesn't it? So when it came to hearing about the cross, why does anybody have to go to the cross and die? Because we're all going to heaven. This is something that society tells us today. If you're good enough, you can get there. There's so many things that Greek philosophy influences the way we think even today. If you started to dig into it, you'd be surprised. So what about the cross today? How do we view the cross today? I honestly am not sure that man has learned anything new because we're still sinning the same sins. We're still thinking the same thoughts. We're still stumbling over the same cross. It still doesn't make any sense to us. We're laughing at the wisdom of God today. I read a story of a pastor who was giving some advice to a congregation. And this advice he was giving them, he said to the congregation, Hey, don't tell people about the cross. Don't tell people about the cross. There's a reason that the Franklin Graham Crusades used to be Billy Graham don't work anymore. Because people don't want to hear about the cross. They don't want to hear about suffering and death and resurrection. Uh, what we need to do, they, they don't want a crucified Messiah. We need to promise prosperity. We need to promise emotional experiences. We need to give them self-esteem. And then the church pews will be filled. But make no mistake about it. The Christ who miraculously confronted Saul on the road to Damascus, the guy who persecuted the Christians is the same guy who confronts us today with the message of the cross. He is the same guy. We were lucky enough to visit Morocco. And while we were in Morocco, we heard several startling testimonies of people who were in the Islamic faith that would have dreams. And the way they described these dreams was not really very dreamy, more like a vision of a man who would appear to them dressed in white, standing in the light. 
and call them to come to him. And his name was Jesus. Many, many people have been saved by Damascus Road experiences, but in different ways. We met people who had literal experiences like that at which they received Jesus as their Savior. Can you imagine somebody walking up to you and saying to you, and you should be prepared for this, I had this dream, and this man, Jesus, came to me and told me the story, invited me to follow him, and I did. Can you help me know what to do? Because we met a pastor who that had happened to as well. <laughs> as he was walking into the, church, the steps of his church, somebody met him there, and the vision had told them to meet him on those steps. Like, it's amazing because those things are still happening. Jesus, the Christ, is still confronting people like he did Saul, like maybe he did you. I had my own experience. These stories are hard to believe, but remember that in every time that there was a supernatural event, it always advances the kingdom of God. Which stands to reason, if we're not seeing supernatural events in our lives, are we not doing anything to advance his kingdom? He wants to partner with us because we are his hands and feet. We are who he has gifted to spread the good news of the gospel. We are his workers. We are the ones who put on an Easter egg hunt that over a thousand people come to try to tell them about the story of Jesus and how much they love him. He loves them. That's who we are. That's who Jesus wants us to be. And it's in those places, at those times, that something miraculous will happen, that Jesus is going to have a remarkable encounter with somebody, and that lives will be changed. <laughs> I feel like I'm so excited, and you guys are not. So it's okay, you know, an amen every once in a while. I need a sign. I hold it up. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's Easter Sunday, everybody. Think about the angel appearing to Cornelius, the centurion, telling him to go find this guy named Peter, right? And it happened, and Peter told him the words to give him life. Think about the angel appearing to Philip and saying, hey, go stand next to this chariot over here. Well, that doesn't make any sense, but I'll go stand over there. Oh, listen, he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand that? No, let me tell you about it. This is the interesting thing about that story. I don't want to preach on this, but it's crazy because as soon as this uh, Ethiopian that he was talking to in the chariot received Christ and was baptized, by the way, on the side of the road, it can happen anywhere. As soon as that happened, the scripture says that he immediately was somewhere else. Like, beam me up, Scotty. Like, he was gone. It's crazy, like the miraculous. This is what God wants to do. This is what the cross is. How about Paul's vision of uh, a man begging him to come over to Macedonia and help us? Like there's miraculous things that are recorded in Scripture. There's miraculous things that have happened that I've heard and been experienced. It was just a couple of weeks ago that somebody, uh, Tiffany, was healed on her back. Like miraculously in a service at extravaganza somebody came over to her touched her back prayed for her she's like oh well, thank you very much fractured 
vertebrae since November. Like the miraculous is happening. Encounters by Jesus because of the cross are going on. I think that my friend Jeremiah said it correctly when he said we need to make this, we can't make it, but we want to see the super become natural. We want to see it become a part of what is going on. And not for its own sake, not just so we can say the miraculous thing happened, but so that we can say because of the miraculous, because of what happened at the cross that those miracles are even possible, his kingdom is being advanced. And see, the whole kingdom of God is upside down because everybody's right. The cross is, cross is foolishness. It makes no sense to society. It makes no sense to us. A, a place where the, the winner is actually the loser doesn't make sense to somebody like me who's very competitive. It, it, it makes no sense that the one who's going to save us has to die. It makes no sense that the one who created the universe, who made us, would come to this earth in the form of a man. It doesn't. Because in our society, the king is on high. The president is protected at all costs. Right? It's the way we've set up society. But that is not the way the kingdom of God is. So whenever we do something and we host a thousand people, we come to them and we say, how can we serve you? They're not used to that. They're not used to being served. And if you were at the Easter egg hunt start line, <laughs> you would have seen. Because <laughs> there were some parents that were like, get away, kid. Get away. <laughs> I need to get these eggs. It was, it was crazy. Humanity has lost its mind. <laughs> you think I'm joking, but ask some of the people who were standing on the front lines. <laughs> I don't know that anybody got kicked, but it was real close. Because we're all struggling to get on top. We're all climbing. How can I be first? How can I be best? How can I get the most? How can I attain and, and get and, and receive? And all the time over, Jesus is saying, how can I serve? How can I give? How can I die? The cross is not foolishness. The cross is our salvation. There may be a lot of things we don't understand. But remember, God accomplished that which was impossible when he went to the cross and died for our sins and was raised to life again. He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It's a struggle for me. To be honest, it's a struggle. Like, I want to do. I need to make. I need to build. I need to accomplish. I want to take care of everything in my life. I mean, the dumb car. It kills me to take it in and have somebody else change my oil. Like, I want to do it. Who has time for that anymore, though, you know? I started out, one of the questions I asked was, on this Resurrection Sunday, not only... Is the cross not foolishness? But what about his resurrection? Why is that important? If we were to sum up the message of Easter, it's so much more than Jesus died on the cross. 
It's, it's so much bigger than that. I mean, he did die for our sins, and that's amazing. And his shed blood is why we're not sacrificing doves or lambs or goats or bulls. That's why we don't do that anymore, because he was the last sacrifice. But more than that, he was raised again. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. I had somebody, I found that scripture, by the way, because somebody asked me one time, like they were willing to believe that Jesus' sacrifice covered their sins and all that, but I just can't believe that he was raised from the dead. And why is that important anyway? Isn't it okay that his sin, my sins are covered because of the blood? And I was like, oh, I said, let me look into that. That's not enough. Without the resurrection, your faith is futile. Who are you believing in? You see, that resurrection of Jesus started something new. And if you'd have been here, if those of you who are here for the Seder meal, and if, if we are able to convince, you know, Kay and some of the others to do it again next year, maybe we can hear the story again. But if, if you were here, you understood that his resurrection started something new. The, his death was the end of something but his resurrection is the beginning of something new. It's a new day. It's a new life. It's a new kingdom. It's a new way of living. Something better is being ushered in, and he's inviting us to be a part of it, but that's impossible without his resurrection. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, we are entering a new way of life, one where he is the source and he is the strength, and he is the example, and he is the one that gives us the unction. Do y'all remember that word? My old-timey preacher used to say that to us, the unction to do what he's called us to do. And that's because of the resurrection. We're going to close with the song, but I just think it's so important that we understand that there is no There is no today without Jesus' resurrection. There is no new life without his resurrection. His sins were not, our sins were not only forgiven because of his death, but we are invited into something new because of Easter Sunday. And I hope that today you're willing to think about that and make a choice Make a decision. If you're here today and you haven't followed Jesus, then, then make that decision. It's a very simple thing to do to say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I realize that my sins are what separate me from you. And I need my sins forgiven. And I would like for you to come and live in my heart. And help me continue to live for you for the rest of my life. Will you pray with me? God, today we are overwhelmed by what happened at the cross. Forgive us for considering the cross foolishness. Forgive us for the times that We don't have the faith to believe 
Jesus, we invite you to live in our hearts. Forgive us for our sins. And if there's somebody here today who needs to say that prayer or wants to have somebody pray with you as we're singing this last song, I just invite you to come to one of these altars and kneel if you'd like. But God, we thank you for this day, Easter Sunday, that you brought your son back to life. And because of that resurrection, now we have the promise of something new. We love you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we stand together?